Now, can you hear me? Yeah, we're yes, in working we order. You're in business. Awesome. Hi, Michael. Hi there. It's great to finally meet you. <laughs> can I hang Virtually. up now? Yes, we can hang up now. Okay. Can you hang up? That'll stop. Hey, Luna. Okay, so how's it look? You look great. And actually, this is the first time I'm seeing your face. That's right. We're wearing masks. Huh? <laughs> um, and how's it going, Luna? Still keeping the huh? store safe? Luna, she's still keeping the store safe? Yes, of <laughs> course. I think it's only fair that we give a proper introduction to who you are. And you are such a great storyteller. Uh, I well, think it's you. best if it's done by you. So Yolanda, a.k.a. White Antelope, welcome to the podcast with the other half. I am, we're very grateful that you made the time to be here with us today. Um, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit for our audience? Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on this podcast and welcome to Oklahoma Native Art. <laughs> a lot has happened since you left. Oh, I yeah? think you need to come and spend a couple more weeks here. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I am 100% coming back so and... yeah, I, uh, this is Luna. Mm -hmm. She's our security dog. <laughs> and she's also the official greeter. And she does a great so, job at both of them. So, so everything going good with you? Yes, yes. Um, you know, I, as I mentioned, we actually just, the mayor's office just reached out from Oklahoma City. Uh, That's for awesome. Our, uh, That's interview great. Coming up. We're going to dedicate the month of November, in honor of um, the Indigenous History Month, Heritage Month, we're going Great. to- Great, and I've got other, I have other people for you to talk to too. Oh, very much, thank we you. We need to talk about that. Thank you so much, yeah. So um, for the for the month of November, we'll be releasing um, a, multiple, a series of podcasts with Native American artists, filmmakers, members of the Native American community in Oklahoma. And we're very excited about that. And we'll also be doing one with Sandy, uh, Sandy Medrano, uh, uh -huh. about, the, about the grand opening of the First Americans Museum. The museum. Yeah. So we're very excited about all that. Um, but well, I know so <laughs> many people that I could really help you out for that month because there's a lot of different uh, uh, music, like you say, music, art, uh, our bikers. There's just so many people, you know, that I can get you in touch with. That's, that's awesome. See, I, I don't think Mikey knows this. And I mentioned it briefly that, um, white antelope is actually a biker. 
<laughs> he, he doesn't seem like it, but if you see the old photos, you'd be oh, blown yeah. away. <laughs> I look forward to seeing those photos. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I don't actually uh, uh, drive a bike anymore. Um, I'm going to be 74 in October. Oh, you Get definitely out of here. So like it. <laughs> I still have one more big trip, and I think we need to plan that one to New Mexico. Yeah, okay. I, we discussed it a little bit. Let me know. Uh, we are so down. Uh, you just let me know, and we'll be in the support vehicle with you. Uh, definitely, definitely. So, uh, White Antelope, before anything, tell me about the name. Where does that name come from? Well, it was given to me. Um, it's supposed to mean that I am like a, a free running antelope, right? Freedom. It means freedom. But I wish they'd have called me something like a little bear. Then I could hibernate a little bit more <laughs> instead of running so wild. But hey, the name fits. And That's so um, I've been an artist ever since I could remember. Um, but I started doing a lot of uh, art shows from state to state. I've been all over the United States. And so I started my art shows probably like in 72 is when I started traveling and doing art shows. And uh, like I said, I've, tra I've traveled all over. I, um, I opened a gallery several different times. And when I moved to Oklahoma, I uh, opened a gallery in the year 2000. I started out in Bricktown, which is downtown Oklahoma City. And then in the year 2006, uh, Oklahoma Native Art moved to the Stockyards. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Stockyards is kind of a old Western We've got uh, businesses here that have been up here a hundred years. Cattleman's Restaurant. Uh, there's other stores like uh, for saddlery and hats and just all kinds of Western. So it's very kind of old cowboy, right? You mm -hmm. went to the saloon and you felt like you were back in the cowboy days, right? I did. I did. I did go to the saloon and um, I met a bourbon connoisseur, an expert who's going to be in the podcast uh, coming up. Plus, I met a real-life cowboy who uh, reads... Um, <laughs> That's so funny because I yeah. see cowboys every day. Well, for me, it's like, like this is cool. It's the first time I actually I sat down with someone, drank some bourbon, and chatted about horses. And <laughs> he breeds, um, he breeds uh, performance horses that perform in Las Vegas. Wow. So he, he calls himself the Horse Whisperer and invited oh, me down awesome. to his ranch to come yeah. talk about his horses and ride his horses. I'm very excited that about that. That's great. That's great. Stop. Well, when I um, moved here, you know, to me, it was like cowboys and Indians. What could be better, right? Right. <laughs> and so uh, I like Bricktown, but it was a, a little, you know, just didn't, it just didn't feel right compared to moving here. And I love the stockyards. So um, the gallery here, I've got just so many things to offer. Mm -hmm. I do horsehair pottery. Mm -hmm. And that's pottery that I fire with horsehair. 
which actually I have a piece here to show you. Yeah, show, please show the audience. This is one of my horses. I saw that it? in person. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So all these little lines that you see, that's horse hair. Mm -hmm. So I fire my pottery with horse hair and every single piece comes out different because the hair just beautiful. does what it wants to do when I apply it. Mm -hmm. So when, when I do my pottery, I fire it twice. The first time I fire it with uh, uh, a high temperature so that way it can become glass-like, you know, pottery hard, mm -hmm. right? Here's another piece. Wow, look at that. That one's pretty cool. Yeah, and pretty so um, I fired my pottery twice. The second time I do a high fire, I take the pottery out of the kiln and I apply the horse hair on it. And the hair just sizzles and it uh, soaks into the pottery. So you get all these cool designs. Uh, the technique itself was designed from a girl that was back in 1964, I think. And what happened is that she was firing her pottery and when she took the pottery out of the kiln, she had long hair and her hair hit the pottery and did those neat designs. Oh, wow. So she was like, oh, cool. This is nice. But of course she wasn't gonna use her hair. So <laughs> she started using horse hair. And we've used buffalo hair. Um, I even tried some of Luna's hair because she's got <laughs> plenty of it. <laughs> but uh, hers doesn't come out very good. The horse hair seems to be the best. Yeah, I know. And I fell in love with this art. Um, I actually picked up a few pieces from you. Well, few being an understatement. But oh, yeah. <laughs> you had a good time, didn't you? I had a great time. This is one of the pieces that... Um, the, the wedding uh, vase. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. I'll just put a photo yeah, up that, later on. Don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, so tell us a little bit about vase. that face. The wedding vase, when a couple gets married, the person that's going to perform the ceremony, mm -hmm. uh, he presents the couple with the wedding vase. Mm -hmm. And he makes a certain potion that uh, the couple is going to drink from. So they each drink from each side. And uh, if they don't spill any at all, it's going to be a very great harmonious type of uh, a life that they will have while they're married. Mm -hmm. If they spill some, then it's going to be a little bumpy. I tell everybody I spilled some at all three of mine. So I, I remember mine. that. <laughs> I remember you telling me that. That was great. Um, yeah, I, so I, I was telling Michael that I've had such an amazing experience just hanging out with you. I went to, because of her, uh, uh, her friend, Sand, uh, Sandy, she was the person who gave me the private tour at, at FAM. And when I wanted to you know, buy some authentic Native American in a souvenir, she said, like, I'm going to call my friend White Antelope and you have to go over to her place. Uh, I'm like, sure. So I go over and I end up spending, what is it, three, three and a half hours? Oh my God, hours. <laughs> you were here forever. But oh, the I'm thing sorry. Is it went by 
it went by so fast, you know? And it just seemed like I've known you for so long that we just talked and talked and talked. And there are so many things that I could have, we could have talked for days. Oh know? yeah. I had so, such yeah, a great yeah. time chatting with you. I didn't even realize it's been like three and a half hours till I stepped out. I'm like, wait, how much, how long was I there for? Because I just loved your store with everything that was there, you know, all the different kinds of art and your stories. My God, you were such an easy person to talk to and you were so wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we represent probably about 32 different tribes mm -hmm. and from paintings, uh, baskets, kachinas, a lot of sterling silver jewelry. Yeah. Um, I have always prided myself in making unique pieces that nobody else does or things that really matter that have a story behind them, you know, and we get we have people coming here from all over, uh, out of state, no, uh, no, <laughs> out of town, yeah, just from everywhere. What? So um, the stories behind the artwork is what people are really interested in, the history. You know, I tell people, you don't just come here to buy something, you come here to learn. You know, there's so many people, whether they are from back east or wherever they were from other states, they mm -hmm. are so interested in all our culture, you know. And right now I think is the best time to uh, redirect reiterate all the history that has not been told no oh, absolutely i also um wanted to um uh, because since we're talking about all the different types of artwork that you have at your store um i do think it's an amazing time for us to share these and you know get other people more exposed to it i wanted to go over a few more little goodies that i collected from your store oh the um, buffalo i get the buffalo yes I get the little one too. Um, my father has the little <laughs> one uh, because he, my father was actually the first person who's ever told me about bisons when I was very young. And, you know, at that time they were still very endangered uh, and it was only found in the American, you know, Midwest and the American West. So that's why Gabe brought that little one that you make uh, as a token for him because he's one of the reasons that I, you know, love to go out adventures and find and explore right. things so did tell you me like little, it oh i loved it he like loved it, it. he Good. loved it and i and i kept the big guy for myself because i just love <laughs> this one um it's a little greedy i know but tell me a little bit about um this sculpture uh you know uh we're known for buffaloes eagles they are our sacred animals because the buffalo is the one that helped the tribe survive Without the buffaloes, we would have just been lost. Whenever they uh, did kill a buffalo for food, they used every single piece of it. They used the hide. They even, sinew is what you call a thread, sinew. And the okay. sinew was made from the intestines of the buffalo. They would cut it really super thin, and this is what they would sew their hides with, their clothes, and they made, you know, their leggings, moccasins, their shirts, uh, robes, buffalo robes, and so, uh, you know, that's why the, the buffalo is so uh, honored 
And it's like our eagles, our eagles, we honor our eagle because we believe since it flies the highest, then, sorry about that. No worries. That one will have to be edited. No, I mean, it's all authentic. He's doing his job. She's doing her job. I'm sorry. Yeah, she is. She is. So, oh, no, I, was, I saw it live. She's very good at her job. We, we believe that the eagles carry our prayers to heaven because mm -hmm. they fly the highest. And so uh, everything that we make with feathers, we use uh, turkey, we use dove, we use, you know, all the feathers, anything that we can find that is nature, we try to incorporate it in our work, you know, and, and it's an honor that we do to these animals. Yeah, so speaking of eagles and stuff, I, I mean, I'm just going to show a few more things that, you know, I picked up at your gallery. And I know- See, Michael, he had too much fun shopping. <laughs> Trust me, I, I, I've, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I brought him back. I, um, I gave him the uh, rabbit fur that I got from uh, your, uh, from your uh, gallery. And uh, she has so much of it. And I re again, just a, just a collection is just so vast. It just, you have so many different types of things there and they're all incredible. Yeah, it's 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 definitely I, not like a generic shop where you oh. go to New York and all you see is just like mimicatures of the Statue of Liberty yeah. and snow globes. It's it's just right. authentic, um, genuine stuff. It's like if you gave somebody something like this, you know it came from like it has spirit. It has spirit. It. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the thing is that like here in the gallery, didn't you feel like very peaceful, oh, calming? Yeah. People, there's people that come here during their lunchtime just to say that they're going to, you know, just chill. And now I can go back to work and handle the rest of my day because it's just a very calming place. But there's so much to look at. There's so much to just enjoy. And I enjoy people shopping because I feel like I even shop with them, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> when they try uh, on jewelry, I'm like... Oh, look at this. Look at this. Oh, that's so neat. I like that. And I'll end up, they'll go, oh, let me try that ring on. Oh, no, I think I like it myself. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the one they want the most. So then we end up selling it, of course. Well, you make some pretty cool stuff as well. Like you make a lot of jewelry yourself. Um, and I, I mean, some of your... I do a lot of the beaded stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, all the necklaces. Uh, bracelets, earrings, lot of lot of jewelry, and um, you make these beautiful dream catchers as well. Um, mm -hmm. Every like my mother loved your dream catcher that I bought from you. Good. Um, the not the big turquoise one uh, that you just recently made that was really. I told beautiful. you you needed that three foot big one. That's for big dreams. Yeah, I've asked you to cut me off at like two hundred. And then I've actually cut me off at 500. <laughs> and next thing you know, we're past 700. I'm like, okay, I got, I had to leave. <laughs> hey, I did cut you off. You just wouldn't listen. <laughs> I, how could I? When I found, so there's things like these. And I know these are not made by you. But this is the one with the, one with eagles. Oh, that and, was painted the bear. 
Yeah, yeah a, a Navajo uh, artist makes that one. Mm -hmm. um, Begay. I think he's a Begay. And he's from New Mexico. Mm -hmm. He's from uh, Gala. And he just, he's the only one that does that style. But boy, he's, he's so good. So I, I love carrying his work because, you know, I want to have this room with all my pottery, but hey, I need to share too with other potters. Yeah, some of his work was were really beautiful. And if he, um, I would love to reach out to him because here's another one. And this is one with horses. Uh, the Ooh. canoes, yeah. Uh, he does beautiful colors and his just color scheme is everywhere. It's, it's perfect. And here's one with the, um, and I'm gonna, Mikey, we're gonna put up some photos of this on oh. top of the video later on, just so our audience can see it better. Like this one, this is with yeah. the bisons. But if you see, if you look closely, the mountains in the back is shaped like a wolf's howling. Uh -huh. It's very right. beautiful. Um, yep. Yeah, do you see like a wolf sitting there? And then on this side, it's a wolf howling. <laughs> it's really cool stuff. And this is why I couldn't leave your store or your gallery rather, <laughs> because every time I try to walk away, I'm like, wait, look at that thing. So yeah, tell us a little bit about these, um, this artwork. This is, uh, you mentioned that this was from a Navajo artist. Correct. And uh, he's from Gallup, New Mexico. He's the only one that does this style. And so um, I don't know what the process is of how he does it. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of people don't want to share their secrets, right? right. Me, I tell everybody everything. Because if somebody <laughs> wants to do it, hey, go ahead. You'll only do it once. <laughs> then you'll be going, nah, that's too hard. I ain't doing that. But uh, his work, you know, is, is all over. Um, a lot of people carry his stuff and they should as well because it's beautiful and we sell a lot of his pieces. Now, um, I'm going to go on to some other pieces of work. This was, I initially had wanted to buy the bigger version of this, but then that was quite expensive, but I will come back to your store. But tell me a little bit about these guys. Oh, the Kachinas. Yeah. There are actually about 800 different kinds of kachinas. And the kachinas, what they do, it is the spirit of everything living. It can be everything in nature, uh, whether it's animals, mm -hmm. uh, the sun, the sky, the moon, everything that has to do with nature. Uh, kachinas are hand carved mm -hmm. and there's Hopi, there's uh, Zuni, there's Navajo Kachinas, and each tribe has a different style of making them. The Hopis like to use one solid branch, Zuni Kachinas also. They are um, like this Kachina. Mm -hmm. This is called Coco Pelli. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Okay, that's Coco Pelli. Coco Pelli is uh, kind of a trickster in different tribes. Uh, they mean different things. With our tribe, what he does is he goes up and down the corn rows when the corn is growing. And he plays his flute, which this is his flute. He plays his flute and he dances up and down the corn rows. And they're so happy, they just grow and grow and grow. So to us, He's a fertility for our harvest. 
Wow. Uh, to other tribes, he is a fertility uh, statue. So we don't hold that too long. <laughs> and then we have, uh, this is a cloud kachina. He represents the clouds. So there is the sun, like I said, the moon and everything like that. Um, the, like I was saying, the Zuni and the Hopi were the ones that do from a solid branch of cottonwood. And they can be as big as they want to make them. The Navajo Kachinas, what they do is they will make uh, the arms, the legs, and then attach them to the body. Where the other ones are solid made from just one big branch. So they are a little more expensive because it's a lot harder to do. Gotcha. Now there's um, also much bigger versions of them because I saw one in your gallery that was bigger than me. With, and Guess that, what? That... I sold it. No. <laughs> yes. And you know who bought it? Who bought it? Amazon. Amazon, Amazon bought it? Amazon is opening a new uh, place here in Oklahoma. And they wanted to honor the Native American Heritage Month. And so they wanted, they sent their buyer over to buy something that represented Native Americans. She fell in love with the Kachina. She sent a picture back. They said, do it. And I said, Did you it. charge them three times the price? No. <laughs> you should, I should have. have huh? I because they're have. going to sell it for 20 times the price. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, it, they're going to put it under glass a big glass case so she's going to send me a picture of it when she gets it all put it together well that's awesome and then she congratulations bought some, she bought a bunch of other stuff to represent different work like the dream catcher and a cherokee basket and a kachina and she bought a whole bunch of different things so they can set up a whole display during the month of november that would represent native americans that, that's I'm I'm a little hurt that it's sold because I was going to come back and purchase that, but I'm happy that you know the artist work is out there and plus that was a pretty you know that was a pretty iconic kachina is it is it still a kachina doll if it's that big or do you call it something else? It was an impressive piece. Now that uh, artist said that's the only one he was doing. It was too much work and there will never be another one like it. Yeah. So you're right. I should have charged a lot more just because of that. Also but because it, they have the bank account for it. Yeah, really. <laughs> I didn't think about that at that time. I was just so excited that they were wanting to represent Native Americans. I mean, we're talking Amazon, right? I mean, who would have time to think about things like this? But she said, nope, they definitely want to honor all the workers that are there that are Native American and to honor that month. That's great. Well, I'm, I'm really happy that's happening. I just hope that they do right by it because um, it is Amazon. And yeah. I, um, since they're opening up something in Oklahoma or near you guys, um, they should definitely pay respect to the culture yes. that you know that's there well th thank you for sharing uh the stories about your art and we can go on about your art forever but i don't know how much time you have i do want to also hear a little bit about your other stories because many would not think this from looking at a very uh beautiful woman with the hat and jewelry 
that in your past life, you were a bit of a badass. <laughs> That's funny to hear you, you say are. that. Oh my God, are you really going to go there? <laughs> I, I Yeah, I think, I think uh, people need to hear a few of your stories and which you did promise me that once we get on the podcast, you will share a couple of those stories. Um, what, if you would be so kind to share, what were you doing early in your life as a career? There's just so much to tell, so much to talk about. I'm a retired law officer and uh -huh. I retired from extradition. I used to uh, transport prisoners all over the United States. So whenever they escaped and they were caught somewhere else, I would fly out, pick them up and bring them back. Uh, a lot of times we drove if it was within driving distance, like New Mexico, Arkansas, you know, any place close, we would drive. Uh, I traveled with a partner all the time. And so I did this for 20 years. So I retired in, uh, I already had the gallery and I was in Bricktown when I retired. So it had to be like in 2004, somewhere around there is when I retired from the Department of Corrections. Now, um, if I remember correctly, there were times where you had to go um, undercover uh, to find people. There were times these people were dangerous criminals. Uh, they were murderers right. and violent criminals. And you were this very brave and badass person who decided, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go and capture You keep on people. saying badass. I'm going to start thinking I'm still a badass. <laughs> you still are a badass. <laughs> I've met you in person. I can vouch for that. Um, you still are a very much a badass. So tell me about some of these stories. You you were an undercover. There was a one that you told me about where you were on a plane and there are two prisoners and uh, you had to make emergency landings. Yeah, this one. My partner and I, uh, we were to pick up two prisoners in two different states. Mm -hmm. So we left here. We would always fly into the state that we were picking up a prisoner. And we would report in, let them know we were there. And so they could have their files and everything ready for the inmate to leave the next morning. So uh, we flew into... Um, I think it was Colorado where we picked up one. And so we pick up this guy, we fly to the next state where we picked up the other one. Well, little did we know that the other inmate had medical problems. I mean, we, we had files, but it didn't say anything in there, whether, you know, uh, he was susceptible to flying medication or what, I mean, we just got this file, looked it over, nothing put a red flag up there. So we go ahead and we enter the plane. We're all ready to fly. Of course, I ask them, you guys are okay with flying? You, you don't panic, nothing? No, we're okay. So my partner's sitting across from me with his inmate. I'm sitting over here with my inmate. I am on the aisle, he's by the window. Our inmates were always handcuffed. Back then, we were allowed to carry a weapon. Nowadays, of course, you can't, but back then we did. And um, they would always sit, officers and prisoners, all the way to the back. So people never knew. You know, we were the first ones on, the last ones off. And so people never knew that there was a prisoner back there. 
So we start flying, we're laid back doing pretty good. All of a sudden, my partner's prisoner starts just shaking and shaking. And I don't know if maybe he planned to escape. He's faking this, so we stop and they both talked and they can escape or what, you know? So I'm looking over there and my partner's going, you know, he doesn't know what to do. This guy is shaking and shaking. So we called the stewardess. We said, you know, is there a medical person on board? You know, we need to have this person checked out. And I'm still watching my inmate to make sure he doesn't make any moves. The stewardess comes back and says, yes, we have a nurse that's on board. So we said, okay, this guy needs to be checked out. So in order to secure him and my prisoner, I tell mine, let's go to the back. So we go to the back. I make him face the back. And I've got my hand on him. He ain't going anywhere. My partner's still over there trying to find out what's going on with my guy, the other guy. And so uh, the nurse says he's having a seizure and we need to make an emergency stop. And boy, are we gonna have all these mad people cause they're all gonna miss her flight. So she goes up to the captain, tells him we have to make an emergency stop. They're calling an ambulance. And so wherever the next place is, we're gonna land. And yes, everybody started being so angry because they were all gonna be late. So I'm still back there with my inmate. My partner says, we're gonna have to stop and get off this plane. So we emergency land. The There's already an ambulance waiting for us. And I'm still suspecting, you know, something's going on with this guy. He's pretending or something. No, so we get off the plane and he goes to the emergency with that guy to the hospital. I have to go to the sheriff's office and take my inmate to a, a local jail. So that way they can put him in jail, hold him for me, so I can go to the hospital and see what's going on. So, you know, it's, it's all like, you just play it by ear. You don't know what to do. You're not really trained for that type of situation because who would have known, right? And so um, I get mine put away in a jail. He mm -hmm. takes his to the hospital. And no, he was having a seizure. And we didn't know that he was a diabetic. He didn't have his medication that morning. And so we're out here not knowing what's going on. So finally, that guy settled in. Our luggage is gone. We have nothing, not even a toothbrush. So we end up having to spend the night. And this guy is finally set with his medications. Everything's good. So like probably in the middle of the night, we're able to discharge that one, take him to a jail cell, hold him there. And the officers really, really nice. They gave us little kits with a toothbrush and some deodorant, whatever. So then we go and stay in a hotel till the next morning. But we have nothing. We have no luggage. We have nothing. So I'm sure we look like heck on the next day. So then we had to go to the airport and get new tickets in order to put, put us in new flights. And it was just a headache and a half. So um, we ended up doing okay. We finally got our inmates together, head to the airport, 
head back to Oklahoma by the time we got here. <laughs> That's it. I am, we are so tired, so done. But I still had to make that phone call that they didn't tell us anything about this inmate. And it, it could have been a life and death situation, you know? And uh, so uh, I got to tell somebody off of this just a little bit for that one. Well, see, but we done good. Yeah, you kind of lucked out that this wasn't a kind of a, it wasn't a plot or anything. What you yeah, had suspected. It could have been. It could yeah. have been. You never, you never doubt anything. Never because you never know what these people are thinking. We are the only thing besides their freedom, okay? Mm -hmm. We're the only thing that stands between their freedom again. And so, yeah, you never know. But yeah. I love my job. I love what I did. I was actually the only female officer in extradition for the state of Oklahoma. And I was the first Native American, the first female, to have gotten an award. For, oh, yeah. Uh, what is the award for? What was the award for? Uh, it, it was for, I got two awards. One was for uh, being a supervisor, and mm -hmm. the other one was for help escape, uh, help this other escapee that I got. Yeah. That's another long story <laughs> that you'll have to hear someday. Yeah, um, I would very much like to. Uh, no, so I think what's most nerve-wracking for me for that about that story is that, thank God, everything worked out uh, worked out fine. I'm recording that. Uh, the tension when you're on, on the flight thinking, hey, what's happening? Is this a plot or is this something that they planned before? Or, you know, are they, you know, if, if when they're distracted, is this guy going to attack me? Those kind of, like, when you're telling me the story the first time, I'm like, holy crap, I don't know what I would have done. In that. Well, you're always on edge. You're always on yeah. edge. You're always looking over your shoulder, looking around you all the time because you never know. You just never know. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of situations once where a family member followed us. And so you have to be ready to deal with something like that. You know? And mm -hmm. you mentioned that you were also you also went undercover a few times, correct? I, did, I didn't hear you. You also went undercover a few times? Yes, yes. How was that? What kind of situation did you go into undercover in? That's the long story. Okay. That one's going to take a while to tell. So uh, I'm not sure yet if I'm ready to tell that story. I had told you that there's some stories that I'd have to probably tell after I'm gone so that way they won't come after me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's not, well, as much as I want to hear that story, let's not hope for that at all. You know, I, I would rather not hear the story than have you gone. I want to have more of these chats with you and whatever stories you can share. I would love to hear them. Um, now, okay. So you, what made you transition from yeah. being this badass extradition officer oh. to uh, choosing to work on your art and open a gallery. What, what was the deciding factor to, for the transition? You know, I, I always felt that it, it was, you know, so spread apart being a law officer and also being an artist, you know, but I think it was the connection being an artist that would help me through 
being in law enforcement. It's because there's so much pressure and you really need an outlet. And that was my outlet, you know, and it still is even now, you know, if I'm stressed or whatever, all I have to do is start working on art and it's the greatest release, you know, I get to be able to uh, transform my energy into beautiful artwork. And then I appreciate everybody that collects it. So Oklahoma Native Bard has been a whole new world for me, you know, and uh, just sharing is what's so important here, sharing all my stories and my work, of course. No, it's amazing. And then, like you said, as far as my life is concerned, in about nine, I think it was 1972 when I bought my first motorcycle. So I started riding a bike back in 72. And I, I loved it, but I dumped my bike twice. And the first time, I hurt my knee really bad. So then I didn't learn from that experience. I would continue to ride. But as my kids got a little bit older, I really started becoming concerned with the fact that, you know, what would happen if something happened to me? Or I was laid up in the hospital, you know, for a long period of time because uh, I was divorced and who was going to provide for my children. So that's what came in in mind of not being so much riding a motorcycle as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I love riding. I love everything. Just uh, it's such a different experience to be able to go down the road, have the wind in your hair and be able to see so much. Uh, you could smell the grass, you could see so much more than being in a vehicle. Uh, now I still belong to do two different uh, motorcycle clubs. In fact, I brought show and tell. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. This is my vest wow. for the Oklahoma Native Indian Bikers. So this is a local club that we have here in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. uh, our Native Bikers do a lot of work as far as they escort uh, military uh, people that have lost family members. Uh, we do a charity for an orphanage, raise money for them. Uh, during Christmas, we give gifts to this orphan uh, uh, orphanage house and uh, do like Easter hunts for them. Uh, we just do a lot of uh, uh, things for our people, you know, and if anybody needs help, uh, they just finished building a physical ramp. What do they call those ramps for a disabled person? Okay, the we, club, we accessible. Yeah. Yeah, the club built a brand new ramp for someone that was in need of one. And so there's a lot of things, benefits that they do and benefit runs. That's awesome. The other club that I belong to is the Hopi Honor Riders. Okay, that's the Hopi and Navajo 
bike club. And so uh, they also uh, do a lot of benefits and a lot of runs, but the Hopi Honor Riders were, um, they started in 2003. And mainly because um, Lori Puisua is the very first Native American that uh, was killed in action. And after, uh, after uh, she passed on, uh, her cousin, Bobby Martin, he is the president of the Navajo Hopi Honor Riders. The group is about 300 strong. And every single year, every single year, they do a run to Four Corners. They are out of uh, Arizona. And so bikers come from everywhere to do this run. And what it is, is they honor the Blue Star families, the Gold Star families, but mostly they go to all the Gold Star families, uh, the reservations that uh, people have lost their sons and daughters. And they do this run every year. And we had, uh, I did it two years ago, and we had bikers from Canada wow. and Wisconsin. They come from everywhere to do this one run. I had never done it before. And it was the most humbling, uh, I mean, we cried with families. The families felt like their loved ones were not forgotten, whether it was sons and daughters after that. And so uh, it's a five-day run, and we go to all four corners. And I've never spent five days on a motorcycle. I felt it at the end of the trip. I don't think I could walk for quite a while. But it, it was just amazing i mean i love this and i would love for you to be able to come on one of those runs because like i said it it really humbles you and to be able to meet these family and hug them and cry with them and to know you know you feel the pain of all these lost ones but it's such an honor and I just want to clarify for our audience when you say killed in action this is killed in action with the US military um in the the wars in the past decades whether the, the Afghanistan conflict or the Iraq yeah. conflict correct they they have a website it's the Navajo Hopi honor writers mm -hmm. and there there you could see uh, pictures and uh you know a lot of uh stories from the bikers that uh the things that we do uh she was I want to say she was 24 i may be mistaken but she was young and she had two children so when she passed on her mom had to take over and raise her children and so the children now they're uh, young adults and they are they are there when we go to uh her mom's house and they will house us for wow. an evening they feed us and oh my gosh these people are, they have so much gratitude. You know, uh, one of the places that we went to was uh, a high school gym and the kids, they all know why we're coming. And like I said, we honor these mothers and there will be maybe uh, 
10, 15 at a time, uh, you know, the mothers and fathers and family that uh, we go and we give them gifts and we want to let them know that we will not forget what they are doing for our country. You know, uh, some people pass on and the parents, you don't know how the parents feel, you know, and they feel like maybe their loved ones were forgotten, but we will never forget. So every single year, this ride will go on. And um, uh, yeah, I look forward to it because uh, maybe next year, maybe by then you and I, you know, like I said, I'll be 74 in February, but I'm still ready to ride. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Uh, you got you got your hands on so many different things and you're doing so much for the community, not only through art, not only in your past life, you know, keeping the community safe. Now, even, you know, you know, paying honor, uh, give, you know, giving honor to um, these people who have served our country and taking care of their families. It's so much that you're doing. I do have a few other questions for you in regards to that work. But before we even get into that, I just want to find out um, because there's so many, as you mentioned, there's 39 different nations um, in Oklahoma alone. Uh, that have come together in that area that, you know, and there's so much different heritage and culture uh, because each Native American uh, tribe or nation is unique and different. There are more, there are more different tribes in the state of uh, Oklahoma than anywhere else. Most wow. of the states will have maybe six, uh, eight tribal centers. Here in Oklahoma, we've got 38 offices. Wow. So that shows you how many different tribes are represented. And may I ask, uh, which, what's your background? Which tribes, uh, which nation are you from? I'm affiliated with the, the Acoma tribe, which is Sky City in New Mexico. Uh, when I was born, my mom got sick and I was uh, taken to foster care as many families have. And she was, my mother was quite ill for quite some time. So uh, I was also adopted into the tribe. Now, when a tribe adopts you, it is like being, of course, your own family, you know, they are forever, you know, uh, your mom and your dad, your sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, everything. And so I was lucky enough in that, uh, way to be able to uh you know be a part of my adoptive family too now you've it, you, you just mentioned that uh, once you're adopted you are you know they are your parents forever um just like that so many things in native american culture seems to be just uh about family about community about may you know keeping the heritage and passing that on how do you how do you do that in uh, you know constantly growing modern world and where you know things outside of the heritage or outside of Native American culture is so attractive to many young people that they often kind of um, drift away from their you know from their heritage or culture because there's so many celebrity culture and there's so many things happening as you know, as we used to say about you know, how do we break down Soviet Union was blue jeans and rock and roll, right? When you have mm -hmm. those things all around you, how do you uh, try to keep your culture and heritage intact? How do you pass it on to the next generation? 
um, that is often distracted? And what role does art and your gallery and places like that play in maintaining and, you know, passing on this heritage? And I know that's a loaded question, <laughs> but... Um, See, I just think that everyone has a talent. A mm -hmm. lot of people just never discover it, right? So uh, young people need to, to be able to find their, their niche, right? And so if you offer them different things, and it doesn't matter what age they are, you, they can start by drawing, uh, they're attracted to beadwork, they have to try different things. But we're losing a lot of that because again, the young people, like you say, they're taking up with, uh, uh, you know, their, their iPhones and their uh, computer games and everything like that, which really, I wish that we would be able to uh, instill in our young people that they need to keep track, keep more with their heritage and uh, their language, especially their language. Uh, so many overlook the fact that they are so blessed you know, to have uh, uh, the ability. Now here in Oklahoma, they are introducing language uh, classes, Native American classes, finally, which is great. Cause you know how past history, you weren't allowed to speak that language. You yeah. weren't allowed to express yourself that way. And now that you can, they need to take advantage of this, you know. Um, we've lost so many jewelers, unfortunately, to COVID. We are hurting on the reservations because of the lack of uh, whether it's medical, you know, supplies or the water or whatever that can be. But there's so much help that's needed, you know, and if they would understand that our young people, you know, we have to keep them on track and try to teach them more and more. I've got a granddaughter that now, after all these years, now she is interested in wanting to find out more about, you know, doing some artwork and beadwork. And so, hey, I'm ready to teach her whatever it is she needs. That's great. That's great. So um, what role do you think that your places like your gallery uh, play in preserving and passing on this um, culture and this heritage? Well, it, it gives people an avenue, you know, to uh, Oklahoma Native Arts always been proud to show the different types of work from different, uh, uh, you know, tribes. Every tribe has their own specialty. And so uh, beadwork, you know, Cherokees do beautiful beadwork. Other tribes do beautiful clothing. There's other tribes that are great at farming. And so there's just so many uh, different avenues that, uh, you know, we are able to uh, present, let's say to people that come here and they're full of questions. And they always apologize for taking my time for, you know, answering all these questions. No, I, I, I really uh, accept uh, any type of question because if I know the answer, I will give it to you. If I don't, I will tell you where you can go and get more information that is needed. Well, that is great. 
um, yeah, thank you so much. You know, one thing that I've always, that you first learn about, you know, Native American history, storytelling and heritage is that they have this great ability to pass on stories orally. And, and it's, uh, it's a passion, you know, it's a passion that you have to share. And so we're losing so many of our elders and the elders are the ones with the stories, are the ones that are the great teachers. And now that they, a lot of them are gone, you know, where are we gonna go and find out, you know, uh, how to learn whether it's the Native American cooking, you know, uh, but classes are great. And if they can give more classes and uh, kids can learn from that, that's awesome too, yeah. Well, I know that I'll be going to you. And you're definitely one of the people that I'll be going to. I'm just to learn so more. happy that you came. I'm so glad you were able to be a part of this. And the museum, I know, was a great experience for you. Oh, absolutely. And Sandra was so amazing. I, I Everyone that I've met were just so welcoming. Oh, she's great. Hey, she's got some stories, too. So don't let her tell you that she ain't got nothing to talk about. Because oh, I've no. known Sandy years. <laughs> <laughs> she also comes from a biker family. Yeah, I found that out too when I was telling her <laughs> about your um biker background. She's like, "Oh yeah, I did that too." I'm like, what? Uh, "Who are you people?" Yeah. Like, it was great. Uh, it was great. Um, and she's gonna be on next week. I'm. Uh, we're hoping to schedule her uh next week to um great. go over the whole grand opening of the museum and hear some of her stories. But yeah, you guys are. You know, it's. I, I really hope that more people take advantage of their conversations with people like you, with you, with Sandy and others like you, because there's so much to just pass down and share. And I'm like, a, like Mikey and I, we're like sponges when it comes to this stuff. Just like, we'll, we'll soak it all in. You know, yeah. we love hearing these things and hearing, you know, like all your experiences, because that's what we can take with us and you know pass on to the next generation after us so um, and we welcome you know we welcome tourists because again they're like sponges too you know they just want to know so much in such little time and they're fascinated with uh whatever uh like you say the either the older culture or even now nowadays you know the new things that are coming up and so yeah everybody that walks through that door doesn't leave you know, unless they learn something that they can take back home and share, whether it's the art or the conversation, you know, we're all honored to have that. Well, thank you. So, Maggie, you want to say this way? Yeah, um, because um, in most of the interviews that we have done, it seems that everybody is like a, a information storage. And if you don't <laughs> ask the right questions, maybe right. it'll get lost in the, in the limbo. Uh -huh. And we want to just like, you know, have our audience like hear from the other side, like yeah. we can never expect something as such of a story coming from you. First time hearing this, first time hearing this, I I am astonished by the whole the whole entire um experience so far. Yeah. Well, you need to travel more with him, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Mikey was in Italy when I came down. Um, that's ah, why he couldn't come because he I was. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, next time we're coming down, um, well, it's Sandy and I are definitely planning some trips to the aviaries that you guys have, the Eagle aviaries. And if I, and I have to come down to visit that Cowboys ranch, 
So um, we're definitely going to be down there. And that will be great. That oh, will yeah. be awesome. And if there's I'm just in- like I said, there's so many people that I want to introduce you to also, whether it's in the music uh, industry, you know, or other storytellers. I mean, there's just so many people that you would find interesting. And uh, I have a friend that's a great cook, Native nice. American cooking. So, hey, when um, you uh, meet him, you got to ask for samples. Yeah, my, 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 my fat, my inner fat self is already very excited just to hear <laughs> that. And, um, and listen, if I'm, if I'm in Oklahoma or in the hundred mile vicinity of you, I will come and pay you a visit. And, oh, you better, you better. <laughs> and don't. There's um, a lot more to tell you. <laughs> absolutely, and listen, and I know, I know you're. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with us while running a, sh- you know, running the gallery. Because um, for people that, that don't know, she is right now. Why Antelope is right now sitting in her gallery. We notice the artwork behind her. It's she's sitting in a, a gallery while Luna is guarding her. But um, we locked the door. We put a sign on there. We're doing oh. a newscast. Come back later. <laughs> well, I very much appreciate that. And I don't want to take up more of your time, but please don't let this be the first and last by any means. It's oh, definitely the first not. of You and I are going to keep in touch and you and I are going to do that run. Yes. I tell That's- you, it will be the most memorable thing you do and you will absolutely love it. Definitely. We're very much looking forward to it. You just let me know when and but where. But I'll put you in touch with Bobby. And uh, you need to get, uh, you know, find out more about those runs. And uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch for sure. Absolutely. And just so for our audience, um, I would love for them to get, uh, know more about your art and maybe purchase them. Where can they find you? Do you have a website? Yes. It's OklahomaNativeArt.com. Or you can just go to Oklahoma Native Art and we'll pop up on Google and you can just go to the website. And I'm I'm trying so hard to keep up with it. But I tell you, that's the hardest thing. I <laughs> My daughter said I need to get with the times. Uh-huh. But I like the times I'm in before. You know, I don't need to go further to the other times of websites and iPads and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, barely getting into this stuff to understand. You're lucky to walk me through this podcasting <laughs> well, well um that's oh, well we're, we're definitely going to have all that information up and uh a, a lovely profile of you so that our viewers can have a little bit of a sneak peek uh as well as some photos more likely yeah. of some of the art and we're going to definitely put you out there yeah thank so- you thank you i appreciate it and you know it's different when you tell somebody about the gallery as compared to someone like you who has already gone through it and said, oh yeah, there's definitely a lot, a lot to uh, look at. And, you know, uh, just so historic, you know. Absolutely. Kind of give me cards. Absolutely. Plus and they heard it from, you know, I, you know, <laughs> I can say from the horse's mouth, they've heard it from you. Uh, the create the artist and the you know the uh, the owner of the gallery, and they saw some of the pieces that um, that I had, I had you know gotten from your gallery, and we'll put up the links um, with your you know, on our site and our you know and our social yeah. media. And I want to show you this is our card. Can uh-huh. you see it? Yes. My model, her name is Thalia, 
and she's Comanche. And so uh, it took years before I came up with this image to be able to have the perfect business card. That's awesome. And then that's our website. And we will 100% put that those up and I'll email you so you can send me a scan of that card so we can uh, put that up as well. I will do that. And I appreciate you more than you can imagine. Thank you so much no, we for this opportunity. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you again. Likewise, White Antelope. Thank you so much. And it was a pleasure meeting you for the first time. And like I said, it's like we I've known you for all my life. Thank you so much. I know. And it's <laughs> my pleasure too. Nice to meet you, Michael. Yes. And nice to meet I you hope well. to see you in person. Yes. We'll, we'll love definitely do that. <laughs> all right. Thank you thank so much. Bye-bye, Luna. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>